listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. Welcome to episode 68, The Possessed Come Home. That's right, and we've actually got a pretty full lineup of horror movies today that kind of involve people getting taken over in a uh, yes. in a living domicile, so it makes sense. You know, it's all, It kind of ends up being very familiar, but we're going to talk about that the highlight of course in the main segment is our review of annabelle comes home the newest installment in the collective conjuring verse franchise whatever the fuck you want to call it yeah so uh that'll be pretty exciting we do of course have to start off with a quick shout out for sports radio detroit our host network yes and you can catch them on twitter instagram and facebook you just look up srd sports radio detroit that's SRD Sports Radio Detroit, not Detroit Sports Radio. And uh, we do have a very quick and brief sponsored message. So just stick around, guys. We'll be back with the news. Here at Grave Discussions, we know that addiction can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Detox Helpline help you break your addiction to drugs and alcohol. Call the addiction specialist now at the Detox and Treatment Helpline 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're always available for you. And if you have private insurance, they specialize in finding you the right treatment. Give them a call at 1-800-213-9257. That is 800-213-9257. All right. So a lot of developments in the world of horror, uh, as always, over this past week. So the first, um, not completely new, but Rob Zombie's Three from Hell getting an official uh poster release art and an official day now so i I guess that's cool uh what's the what's the day there samuel looks like uh 900 select movie theaters on the 16th 17th and 18th of september yes yep so (laughs) i mean that's kind of cool but honestly it's a little weird to me that it's like this kind of more underground like select theaters kind of a thing like he's making it out to be way more important than i think it actually is i agree <laughs> um and i kind of looked it up there are like almost six thousand locations like theater locations in the u.s so he's only showing it to a sixth of the country or something like that i don't know i don't get it it's very weird yeah let's let's waste this whole big budget on this movie and then let's not make our money back yeah i'm assuming that they're going to aim for a wider release or just try to go through like digital or blu-ray i don't know it's it's kind of weird to me but i mean devil's rejects and house of a thousand corpses were big yeah pretty much i still remember sitting at home when i was a little kid and watching the trailer for house of a thousand corpses and in the fucking preview was just a guy one of those teenagers fucking running around yelling Dr. Satan! Yeah. like <laughs> i mean no they were and uh i mean i think that this movie is pretty big but it's just a, it's just an odd release for, for what this movie is supposed to be. But 
um, yeah, it, if you're interested, you can uh, check it out on those days. It's going to be through Fathom Events, I believe. So once it gets closer, you'll just be able to check if uh, theater near you has it, I guess. So let's move on now to this uh, next article. A lot of horror being made into TV shows uh, recently. This one is no different. And just like Child's Play, it's a franchise that we're not only getting a new movie of, but also simultaneously getting a show. It's uh, Hellraiser. Yeah, and uh, it's going to have IT producer Roy Lee and the Ready Player One producer Dan Farah, and they're going to bring Hellraiser to the quote-unquote small screen. Yeah, um, so there's not really much more information than that as of right now, but there is a quote here um, that basically kind of explains what they're trying to do with it, and the intention apparently is to use the mythology established both in the franchise and in Clive Barker's uh, The Hellbound Heart, which of course is the inspiration for the film, uh, as a launch pad for a new series that could be anthology or a more traditional narrative. So it sounds like they don't have a firm kind of idea about how they want to portray the show. But, I mean, I'm pretty interested in either one. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I don't know, the most recent Hellraiser installments haven't been exactly um uh, up to par with, I don't think, anyone's standards, so... Yeah. I haven't watched uh, Hellraiser Judgment, which I think was the newest one, but I watched that shitty one on net, a shitty one on Netflix, mm. like a couple of years back, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this new pinhead?" Was it the the uh, chubby cheeked guy? Yeah, weird, yeah. What was it Revelations or I don't fucking I think know. so. Yeah, uh, it's not the same guy in the newest one. It actually kind of resembles Doug Bradley a little bit more, which is cool, I guess. But I haven't seen the movie. Um, it didn't get like rave reviews or anything. So yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, so I'm kind of excited to see what they do with the show. Um, I think if they really kind of bring it back to the roots with like those really dark, disturbing vibes, it could work as either an anthology or a narrative thing. I think I'd like to see more of a narrative, but stretching it out over like a show's length might be kind of weird. Um, and I don't know how they would do it exactly, but yeah, we'll see. Once we have more info, we'll let you guys know, of course. And then finally, another show announcement. Uh, this one is kind of going to blend horror with various other genres. Um, Neil Gaiman's Sandman series is being adapted into a show as well by Netflix. I don't even know what the hell Sandman is. You got to fill me in. All right. So you know who Neil Gaiman is though, right? Nope. Okay. He's uh, he's the author behind uh, Good Omens and um, American Gods and various other books. Um, like pretty popular like science fiction kind of devils and angels kind of books stuff like that ah and um so sandman is actually a graphic novel of his and uh it basically revolves around this entity known as morpheus who is the lord of dreams so it's this very like far-reaching cosmic kind of story but it's about morpheus who's like the sandman he you know has control over dreams and stuff like that and um He's been asleep for 70 years or something like that. And he wakes up and he basically goes on this journey to kind of reclaim his, I guess, I don't know, power or something along those lines. And he interacts with all sorts of other cosmic entities and things like that. I've never read it, but visually it looks awesome. And apparently it's very good. So, All right, I'll, I'd be down to check it out since I know nothing about it. So mm. once this comes out, I can kind of like get a grasp of things without having to read much <laughs> yeah apparently it's like extremely not like trippy but sort of existential 
it's just very kind of i don't know it's about like cosmic deities and shit so you know it's it's kind of more i guess higher level if you want to call it that but um yeah i'm pretty excited about it i, I do kind of want to read the, the graphic novel it looks good so uh, once we have more info we'll let you know there's no date or anything like that set yet um, but then we just have a few trailers to round out the news and we'll go through these pretty quickly the first one probably the biggest uh from this past week the jacob's ladder remake mm-hmm. new trailer for that and it looks completely different from the original completely different storyline completely different everything characters and i don't know it does not look bad at all i like the the way this dude his brother comes back or whatever he thought he was dead kind of reminds me of the movie death dream by bob clark they thought their son was dead he came back from the war and then he was all weird and stuff and mm. it's kind of what's going on here this guy's brother comes back and they thought he was dead and he wasn't so uh. i don't know we'll see where it goes i mean the demons look cool that they showed us um it doesn't really look as bad as people said um nothing really wrong with it other than it's not the original jacob's ladder and that's not even something that's wrong with it. It's just yeah. different. Remakes can't be the same. Yeah, similar to what Child's Play did, I guess. You know, this one not approaching it from the psychological perspective of, well, it does, but it seems like the actual PTSD symptoms and issues stem from his brother. So it's almost like, you know, by proxy, like we're yeah. seeing it from that perspective, but it's really stemming from his brother so that's kind of cool i'm interested to see how they do that um michael ely jesse williams nicole bahari um a bunch of other people star in this so i'm i'm excited for the cast as well i think they're all pretty good actors and uh yeah the demons look pretty cool i'm excited i just hope it kind of reaches the same level like psychologically you know i hope so yeah because the original like it was fantastic we reviewed it like quite a while back mm-hmm. but that one i i really enjoyed yeah, it was a great film. So be on the lookout for that one, guys. It's coming out August 23rd in theaters. And I guess if you have Dish, they're like showing it specially on Dish before wow. that or something, which is, I don't fucking know. Man. Amazing. <laughs> wow, Dish, you are really <laughs> yeah, a notch above the rest. That's something. <laughs> so guys, the next trailer we have is uh, less a horror movie and more of like a kind of mm, Murder, whodunit. yeah, who done it? Thriller, comedy sort of thing, almost in the same vein as something like uh, Clue, I guess. Yeah, it very much just resembles like a like an old Agatha Christie or Sherlock Holmes type of book. Um, but this one's got an all star cast, and it concerns the uh, patriarch of what I assume is his big family being killed, and people bring in this detective played by Daniel Craig to try and figure out how he died. And it looks like the family is going to get roped into it. And one of them might be the murderer. So it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, mm-hmm. the little fucker who played Bill. Uh, James Bond is in this. Yeah. Uh, the black dude that got kidnapped at the beginning of Get Out. I don't know anyone's names. I know I'm <laughs> yeah. better with faces. <laughs> Michael Shannon, Lakeith Stanfield, um, a, a, just a bunch of people in this movie. Christopher Plummer, Chris Evans, Captain America himself just going shit all trailer long (laughs) yeah so um yeah it this is is like one of the best casts i've seen in a movie probably this year so far so yeah it's insane i'm super excited and i'm a big like you know fanboy of uh all those like detective mysteries like whodunit mysteries so and i'm a jamie lee curtis fanboy anything she's in i love it so yeah her and tony collette in this movie together is yeah pretty nuts 
that's what I thought the second I saw that fucking trailer. I was like, yo, mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah. And Tony's going to be like the goat of our generation. So. Yeah, she's she's rising up there for sure. So, uh, yeah, guys, check that one out. It's coming out November 27th in theaters, so still a little ways off, but uh, I am pumped for it. It's going to be a good kind of fall into winter movie, I'm guessing. And then the last trailer is called The Deeper You Dig. Now, this one doesn't have a set release date. It's coming out August at Fantasia Film Festival, but it looks pretty cool. It's a uh, independent psychological horror movie, it seems like. And it's kind of like, it's one of those like deeply experimental movies where mm-hmm. it just like focuses a lot on like imagery and like not even really a score, just like weird sounds and like really depressing themes and murder and death and all this stuff intertwines. Yeah, it seems like it's going to have a relatively simple premise um, where it concerns uh, there's a police investigation into this uh, girl who went missing and her mother is really kind of at the forefront and she's into some kind of spiritual stuff, at least tarot cards and shit. Yeah. And then there's like what we assume is a seance. So uh, it's it looks pretty interesting. Um, I think they're going to do a fairly good job of like spinning that sort of typical like narrative around but uh it does look pretty low budget i don't know the acting looks okay apparently it's all created by like one big family so i mean that's pretty cool it's pretty badass yeah so guys uh that's it for the news let us know what you think about uh, these announcements but we're gonna get right into the meat of the show here with our first segment where we examine a classic horror film in the cult corner all right creeps welcome back to this week's cult corner where we have uh, not creep show this time but uh, another classic from the 80s night of the creeps and this one was fucking spectacular like if you ever wanted to to feel the spirit of the 1980s as mm. i always say yeah. this is the movie to do it you got creepy crawlies you got teenagers who act like fucking assholes not teenagers but like frat boys and kids who want to be frat boys and dudes just trying to get laid overall so mm. yeah and uh you know it really has a, a really cool story though you know you take that very kind of stereotypical horror movie shell even in the 80s when it was happening everywhere right but this was like the mid 80s so i think filmmakers had a a pretty good idea of what the trend was at that time and some filmmakers notice that and they take it but they they make it innovative you know and i think night of the creeps did that for sure because first of all who the fuck makes uh an alien zombie slithering creatures where they like explode in your head and (laughs) release these slugs like that kind of movie what the fuck the first thing that, like, I didn't know where the movie was really going to go, because at the beginning you get those weird, funny-looking, angry alien dudes. Yeah. Two of them are chasing down the other one. He's trying to release this experiment, and they're like, don't let him release it. And guess what he does? He releases it and ends up on Earth uh, in in an axe murderer yeah. who, like, kills four orderlies, and then he kills Tom Adkins' ex-girlfriend and her current boyfriend, and... Then it just goes crazy. Then fast forward like 20 years later, these 
white dudes are trying to get into his fraternity so like this chick can talk to one of them and chris is chris is the guy who wants to talk to a girl and his boy jc you know tries to walk over to hey toots you know what's your name you know you got a boyfriend you know typical 1980s stuff you can just you can only imagine all right and then you know chris tries to go out of his way join this frat so they're like hey steal a dead body so they go to the university morgue right and uh jc types in zero on a keypad and that was the that was the password to open this door where they keep this top secret that nobody should be able to find unless you know how to press the number zero convenient (laughs) convenient yes and then uh they let loose this this guy who's been dead for like 27 years or preserved for 27 years and then he kills the janitor not the janitor uh eventually he kills the janitor not him but the slugs uh he kills like the fucking other scientist dude that's in there or whatever and he escapes to that girl uh cynthia cronenberg's house yeah. and his head explodes and these worms come out then the cops show up and everyone's like what's going on they're like well here's this dead guy from 27 years ago and then tom atkins starts having his little ptsd flashbacks yeah. and his catchy one-liners they're like detective so-and-so he's like no bullwinkle moose like <laughs> he's the best part of the movie he really is JC too. I like JC. JC was great, dude. That monologue that he gave to uh, Chris, basically going like, "Hey, I'm fucking disabled, but I'm trying to get you laid here." You yeah, and, like th- that. I mean, obviously, he did it way better than that. Like, it was actually really well written, and yeah, he knocked it out of the park. But <laughs> yeah, he was an awesome character. I was, I was sad to see him die. He shouldn't have yeah. died. Uh, but he was the reason we found out like more about the slugs. So mm-hmm. apparently, when they infest your brain. Uh, you die immediately, but you could still walk and have brain function. And then mm. uh, JC found out the way to kill them is surprise, fire. And uh, yeah. a lot of homages in this movie. Um, Chris's last name was Romero. You had James Carpenter Hooper. Mm. Uh, you had Raimi. Uh, I mean, fucking Cronenberg. You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's a lot of shout outs. Uh, Landis, you know, Landis yeah. Everyone's... Honestly, everyone in this movie is just in. It kind of reminds me of that movie, uh, Lost After Dark, where mm-hmm. everyone's named after like famous horror people, like Jamie and mm-hmm. all that shit. And uh, doesn't really change the story at all, though. Like, it's a nice little thing, like for us to like catch. Aha! Daniel, where you from? Yeah. Like, but overall, it was a great movie. Uh, I enjoyed the score. Uh, honestly, at one point, uh, right after the dude's head explodes, after he scares mrs miss cronenberg and then tom adkins shows up and then like as soon as he's like walking up to like the sorority you hear that modern like kind of music i was like what the fuck like why is this in the 80s film this is supposed to be light-hearted goofy horror fun you know it's Mm -hmm. not supposed to be serious but uh some of them did that yeah yeah and uh I don't know. I really liked everyone in this movie. Even, uh, what's his name? Chad, the douchebag boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> what I don't understand is when he knocked on Cynthia's door and, like, she didn't even look at him to see that he was, like, a zombie. She just w- walked out on the porch with him. Oh, you know, I'm not saying it's over, but yeah. maybe when you boo 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 It seems really weird, like, now that we look at it because it just seems like it's a glaring oversight in the writing. Like, who would be so stupid as to, like, not notice that they're, uh, boyfriend was like a mutant or zombie or whatever but i don't know it kind of fit the movie because the movie itself was very like campy you know i only have one phrase to describe this movie it's miller time (laughs) i thought you were gonna say thrill me 
that was a great line as it, well. It was, but <laughs> it's Miller time was, was yeah. perfect. It, it was. I mean, honestly, yeah, this movie was incredibly well written. In my, that's like the one thing that stands out to me personally because I could connect with all the characters. I mean, not like connect with them, but you know, at least kind of care, care what happens. Yeah, to exactly. Them. I mean, Tom Atkins himself is a gem, so pretty much any role that he does, uh, I'm going to fall in love with. But he's the only good thing about Halloween 3, I want to say. Ah. Uh, I don't know. That's a whole other discussion. I kind of, I kind of appreciate a lot of lots of parts of that movie, but he he was the best part. I will give you that. Um, but I mean, he he is the standout in this movie too. But even like the lesser known kind of actors, um, Jason Lively who plays Chris, Steve Marshall as JC, of course, uh, as I mentioned, awesome job with that monologue in general. Just did a great job in this movie. Uh, yeah, everybody was great and made it really enjoyable. And just that crazy story made it a really fun watch, which, I mean, I think that's, that's what it's known as at this point. It's like a, just a good, like, popcorn flick on Friday or Saturday night. You know, it's not to be taken very seriously. We see that right from the beginning. We have, like, real little people dressed up as aliens. Yeah. It's, like, really noticeable. And they're just, like, zapping, you know, like, CGI laser beams, uh, you know, so... And the crazy thing is that we never even like see those aliens again yeah it's like what the fuck happened what's this experiment you know they don't it doesn't matter yeah it really doesn't i guess which I think, is cool i think this movie definitely inspired slither let's be real i think so too you know what uh and i like that there are some goofs in this movie too because i've mentioned this to you before this was the movie where like if you pause it right um you know when those like slugs are flying across the screen you can see the the strings like oh yeah pretty clearly but did you notice uh after they ki- he, they set chat on fire cynthia was getting yeah. grabbed right mm-hmm. and instead of screaming chris she was screaming chad oh well yeah. i mean i guess you would have been kind of upset about him being burned alive but but she was getting grabbed by another zombie and like she was screaming chad at chris oh, that like was, to that, come help yeah that, that was a goof ah okay yeah no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that surprised. A lot of these movies have a lot of goofs. It just really matters, like, if you catch them or not. You know, because while they're happening, you might not catch them. Dude, Greg Nicotero plays a zombie extra. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, this movie is just chock full of 80s goodness, just straight up. Even in, in, even in just the references. But, like I said before, it's still such an innovative story and like what they did with the sci-fi even they even incorporated like slasher elements into it with the with the axe murderer with um even the way that the uh, the zombies were like stalking the girls at their sorority house or whatever you know so i mean they like successfully mashed like all of these subgenres of horror and all these homages and just made something really special i thought speaking of homages there was an homage to halloween 2 at the end old guy in a trench coat commit suicide with a lighter to save everyone oh yeah that's true but he came back though kind of <laughs> at the end there uh, not in halloween too i mean night of the creeps we saw tom atkins still walking around at the end was he yeah that was him like he had that cigarette in his mouth and the trench coat and like that and then right after that was that shot where it uh where we saw like the spaceship flying or whatever did you watch the theatrical cut or the director's cut i don't know i watched whatever was on uh sony crackle because that's where i found it because i watched the theatrical cut what you're talking about might be the directors because mm. like the theatrical cut like he died and then like they cut to like the front of like the thing and then S- cynthia goes over to that dog mm. to try and pet it and then the dog spits a fucking worm at her 
Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't think that happened in the one that I had. Yeah, you watched the director's cut. Oh, okay, yeah. So. I watched the theatrical cut. I was going to say, because I don't think I've ever seen that before. I mean, or maybe I have seen it before. I don't know. I have the DVD. So I think that what you're describing sounds familiar. Yeah, that's probably... Yeah. That's, you probably watched the director's cut. I have that too. I was going to watch it last night as well, so I could speak mm-hmm. on both of them. But like, you know what's cool? That there is a director's cut of most movies. So mm-hmm. like, not most movies, some like good movies. So like... Even though we review this now, one day we can review the director's cut. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I'm not really sure which is which because it wasn't like labeled as a director's cut or anything, but it had, um, it showed like a, like a charred, burnt corpse. What I can only assume was Tom Atkins, of course, after, you know, setting himself on fire, he had the cigarette in his mouth and he was kind of just walking around. And then I forget if something else happened, but then it showed a scene, I believe of, uh, it was like a really wide out shot of like the city or something like that. And uh, I think it had like the spaceship, the alien spaceship flying. That's definitely like that. not in the theatrical okay. cut. So, so it's different. You definitely watch the director's cut. All right. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that was pretty cool. The ending doesn't really matter. Obviously, we never got a sequel to this movie or oh, anything, yeah. but you know. I wish we did. Both, both those things are just kind of cool things to play around with, you know, like oh, yeah. what's really happening? Are the aliens going to invade Earth or something? Because we never figured out what happened with the experiment, so... We didn't even know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, not at all. So, uh... But we didn't really need to, I guess, in the end. Just a really fun, cool story. Makes this movie an instant cult classic in my book. And, you know, it's something you could turn on on the weekend. Just have fun with, so... I think it definitely deserves its cult status. I, for one, love this movie. So, uh, yeah. Alright, guys. So, now, uh, we're going to move on into our main segment... Night of the Creeps, not quite so, you know, sp- like spooky ghosty as far as a horror movie con- is concerned, but we are certainly going to be talking about one in the next segment. Just stick around. We've got a few sponsored messages and then we'll be back. Hi, this is Jason Pinkett from Pucking Around and Spinning the Wheels on Sports Radio Detroit. Check us out every Sunday over on the SRD Hockey Feed on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. That's SRD Hockey in your search bar. New episodes every week. Hey, Samuel. Hey, Barnabas. What's up? Oh, not much. Have you ever written a book? No, but I've written a musical. Oh. Well, you can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Aha, I hear countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly 100 years to bring their books to the market. Their professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, their authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books. So, make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Do not wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author. And seeing your name in print. Aha! You've already written a book. Next thing to do is make this free call now to Dorrance Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. The number is 1-800-213-9259. Again, 1-800-213-9259. Welcome back, boils, ghouls, and children of all blood types. We uh, have a special exclusive review for everybody on this episode and we're going to be talking about annabelle comes home directed by gary doberman and we will answer your questions of was it good was it bad 
and how does it tie into the Conjuring universe? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had to uh, actually go back and kind of read all the plot synopses of like all the Conjuring movies and like figure out which year they take place in because they always tell you and now everything is all fucking jacked up because studios don't want to release stuff in order, of course. Yep. <laughs> so Annabelle Comes Home actually takes place in 1972, which uh, in the canon of, of the franchise takes place a year after the first Conjuring film. I think uh, the first Annabelle uh, took place in like 1968 or something like that. So, so Annabelle comes before... Annabelle comes before The Conjuring... And then Annabelle Comes Home takes place pretty much in between, I think, The Conjuring 1 and The Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all it's all jacked up. They're telling it basically out of order. But yeah, this movie, though, doesn't really involve Ed and Lorraine Warren quite so much. It actually focuses more on their daughter. So this is like a year after they bring Annabelle to their house. They lock her away. And you see that at the beginning of the film, actually. So there's some setup. But then, yeah, it just kind of revolves around uh, their daughter, Judy. And then it turns into this, like, overnight isolated incident thing, Mm. which I do like because I like movies like, uh, you know, The Possession of Hannah Grace and Mm -hmm. Cry Wolf and Halloween and Friday the 13th and stuff like that. All these things that take place in, like, a few hours. You know what I mean? And this is one of those movies. This isn't like The Conjuring, like, three months later you know and other shit's going down like no this shit's going down the whole day there's demons running amok there's cursed stuff running around there's teenagers touching stuff even though like specifically said do not touch Mm, yeah so like you pretty much uh, mentioned quite different than really like any movie in the franchise so far because the whole possession angle historically kind of is supposed to take place over a span of time because that's what's believed about demons or spirits. Like, it needs time to be able to possess you. And so I think that that's really kind of why we usually see that. But this time, it's more of like your stereotypical, hey, there's white people here. They're fucking around with something that they're not supposed to fuck around with because they're like, oh, this seems like a good idea. And, um, And then, yeah, basically... She just kind of goes crazy, but it does allow for pretty good narrative structure where the pacing is uh, quite good and um, we're able to just kind of jump from scene to scene without those kind of, well, there's, there's filler scenes, but those filler scenes of like, Hey, you're going to the market or Hey, what's going on today? Oh, tomorrow this happens. You know, I don't know that, that kind of stuff can get kind of old fast, but this movie didn't really have that. Despite that, though, still, in my opinion, a lot of kind of unnecessary filler scenes in between the the scares. Yeah, I felt like there was a lot of unnecessary filler. I felt like it took a while to, like, get going. Uh, I did not, if you noticed, I was was trying to, like, be interested in the movie while we were chilling there. But there were so many people, like, talking and the little kids were getting kicked out. And people were having, like, conversations while... And all the older people would just turn around and look at them, I noticed. Like, yo, you kids need to learn how to respect everything because these younger kids are assholes, bro. Like, they want to fucking cry about, yeah, I'm 
sad and no one taking me seriously yet they disrespect everyone like good you deserve to get slapped up by older people yeah <laughs> honestly talking people is what ruins every movie experience mm. for me like just shut the fuck up why are you going to the movies to talk you could have just bootlegged the movie sat at your stupid fucking house with your stupid fucking friends mm-hmm. smoked your stupid fucking weed and just talk to each other we don't want to fucking hear your conversations and the people yelling like random shit like when when annabelle first showed up and they're like oh my god it's like you're not gonna make us laugh bro you younger kids are not funny i don't know if you know that but you're not anyway back to the movie i felt like the pacing was fine besides like the fact that like there's a lot of filler scenes but once shit gets going it gets going yeah uh we saw a demon we saw a hellhound mm-hmm. which is cool i i wish they make like a hellhound movie mm-hmm. like a spin-off in the conjuring universe make like a whole movie about the hellhound there's there's supposed to be some big thing um in the conjuring three where well people thought it was going to be a werewolf thing now it's a de- i don't know i don't think it's going to be related to what's in annabelle comes home but they might be doing something similar ish but yeah that was cool i just liked how uh that chick she touched literally everything in the fucking room full of haunted shit basically and like everything that she touched was like Hey, guess what? I'm coming out now. Mm. Like, yeah, that's kind of one thing I didn't like. Her character was just so blatantly stupid. I mean, not stupid, but I mean, the like launching pad for the story was just something that was like w- way too conveniently dumb. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, so I, I kind of didn't like that too much. Other than that, the writing was okay, apart from just. I don't know. I don't know why they decided it was so, like so necessary to include all that filler. A lot of it was not important at all. It was just he's got balls or <laughs> yeah. whatever the fuck. It was just like uh, I think it was Bob's got balls. Was it Bob? Yeah. Well, they're just fucking. Yeah. It was like there was no point because it was all just like minor character development essentially. But even then, it was kind of stupid because the movie's just taking place over one night. I don't really need to get to know this person over one night it's there's not like it's not a good sample size yeah no. to get to develop a character in the first place so it's better just to have more action and more scares and i mean so so what did you think about the actual uh scares in this movie without giving too many spoilers or anything all the jump scares were predictable i did not jump once okay fair me neither <laughs> usually the conjuring universe jump scares will get me mm. this did not yeah so i mean as the trailer kind of promised in this movie there were going to be a plethora of actual demons or entities and uh you find out why that is as you know the the story progresses but i don't know i kind of feel like almost the the overabundance of them made it a lot less scary yeah because you were just expecting to see all different kinds of, of things i mean the the makeup and effects and everything on them was cool i thought the the creatures or entities whatever actually looked pretty cool but i mean yeah there just wasn't a whole lot of effectiveness the fairy man was probably the coolest one i don't even remember that with the coins and the eyes and stuff like that all i remember was like the bride bitch (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah which we didn't really see a whole lot of honestly like as an actual i guess ghost or whatever but the way they got rid of her though come on yeah i don't know i guess it was clever but i come on you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know dude it, all of it was like you said pretty predictable to me especially the fairy man i think was like the most predictable scares um i mean we didn't have a packed theater or anything but i don't think anybody really screamed or jumped or anything like that so and a lot dude a lot of 
cliches too. There was a lot, yeah. You know, fucking with the even the trailer you saw it with pulling on the leg in the bed, uh, the classic kind of the, like the end of wreck where it just gets pulled away. We've seen that in the a drag, bunch of contracts. Dragged away, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. So you know, just just nothing really too innovative in the realm of the scares. And honestly, in the story overall, not so much. It was cool that they had all the all the demons and stuff being released, but other than that, like, what was very unique about this movie? Nothing other than the fact it was another fucking prequel, sequel, prequel, yeah. sequel. <laughs> yeah. No, it. Which, honestly, like, that's one of my biggest cons about this movie too. I'm, I'm going to get into what I liked about the movie, but one of my biggest cons about this movie is just that, like. Why does it exist? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I, I can't give you a straight up answer. I mean, we knew everyone was going to be fine because we watched a movie that takes place after this. Yeah. And all those people are still fine. Like, Ed and Lorraine Warren are alive. Mm-hmm. Their daughter's alive. So, like. Well, speaking of which, I mean, I think that. Cash the, grab, shark jumping. Yeah. Bullshit. That's, that's the main reason. But I, I think that uh, they wanted to establish the character of Judy, the, the Warren's daughter. A little bit i'm not going to explain why but i'm assuming that that's the real reason for this movie like you know what happens but even then it's like ah she's not really that interesting because she her as a character like she's not as involved in any of the other movies really is she going to be maybe but i don't know it just this movie just feels kind of worthless I mean, I, I would definitely go see it just so you'll be, like, caught up with the Conjuring universe and, like, the shit that goes down. But you don't really need to even to be caught mm-hmm. up. Uh, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Out of, like, I don't know how to phrase Okay. Um, out of 20, I would give this, like, a 12. Okay. All right. What about, like, out of 5? 12. <laughs> it's 17. No, it's, like. Like a 2.8, 2.7. Okay. Yeah, I think I gave it like Six two and a half or something. So, I mean, I will say this. The the variety of like the demons and stuff like that is cool. Um, I thought the overall kind of mood of the movie was pretty much in line with what you'd expect with The Conjuring. It, it was fine. You know, the atmosphere was good once it started getting rolling. Um, I wasn't scared, but, you know, I, I was still kind of enjoying the the tense atmosphere and everything. The acting was was good, you know. It had those kind of humorous moments that the franchise is getting kind of known for at this point, and that's about it for me, you know, as far as like what I thought was good about it. It was just acceptable. It just doesn't need to exist. That's all. It was. It's more so a cash grab. It's a fun little movie, I guess. It's it's for kids though. You know what I mean? This movie's for teenagers. Oh yeah. I would watch this movie over Annabelle, and that's probably about it. Maybe The Curse of La Llorona. I would probably watch this over that. Just, yeah. Just for the just for the uh, demons or whatever. But but I'll take the CGI it. of the possession of Hannah Grace Oof. over all of over Annabelle and over fucking Annabelle comes home. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's saying a lot. I think so. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. You know, it was it was okay, but it wasn't anything that great in my opinion pretty much just like really any other haunted house movie so uh with the exception of just the variety of the demons so i don't know that's all i have to say about it uh guys let us know what you think about it but we are going to move on now into our 
final segment where we're going to be looking at a brand new streaming horror film and uh we've we've got something for you guys so oh it's something <laughs> it's something so we are going to cover that next on the chopping block and on this week's chopping block fiends we have a new movie to hit netflix really kind of ninja'd its way in there but this one is called soul to keep by director david allensworth and monier i don't know know. hacks (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah this this one really kind of just snuck in there i heard absolutely nothing about this movie yep barnabas sent me a list of movies that we could potentially watch Mm -hmm. for the chopping block and sold to keep i was like it could kind of be like you know uh wes craven's what's it uh wasn't my soul to take yeah although eh i mean not not really fair comparison but i know just the name was what got me and i was like all right there's gonna be some demonic shit so this might fit in with uh what we're doing Mm mm-hmm Plus, I needed a movie to shit on because it's been a while since I've talked crap about a movie. Mm. So this movie starts off with someone's pop pop, <laughs> like died or whatever, and they never recovered his body. So what else are you going to do besides have a party in his house? And then, uh, you know, nothing's really happening. People are just talking. There's a deaf girl, which whatever. Yeah, she's there. <laughs> Everyone knows sign language, which I'm sorry, but if my friend goes deaf, like you better learn to read lips, motherfucker. I'm not gonna learn to sign. Um, but <laughs> damn. Yeah, sorry, friends. <laughs> uh, but you know, n- nothing's really happening. And then these fuckers. I'm spoiling this whole movie, by the way. I don't give a okay. fuck. <laughs> uh, they uh, they come across a grimoire, aka the Necronomicon from Evil Dead, yeah. probably in uh, his pop in her pop pop's basement. And uh, they're like, hey, you know, we got a Wiccan witch with us. I packed this dark magic. It's dark. <laughs> dark. So, so I had 106 one-night stands, oh dark God. magic, whatever. And then uh, apparently she knows how to read Latin. And mm-hmm. uh, they know all how to translate Latin and sign language, too, yeah. which is just super convenient. And then the deaf girl picks up on that. And she's like, he did a way to, uh, he oh way to avoid this bell. And then... They're like, yeah, there's a way to reverse the spell, and then she takes some cell phone pictures and whatever. She she devises a plan underneath the whole, unbeknownst to us, this is what happens at the end. She had mm-hmm. a plan. She like drew a triangle in the field, which was stupid. I'll get to it, but <laughs> and then uh, so they they summon the ancient Canaanite demon Beelzebub, <laughs> which you know, common misconception. Oh, Beelzebub, the devil. No, Beelzebub was the Canaanite deity known as Baal or Baal. And, you know, they worshipped him, and he he often had, like, qualms with, like, death, you know, in, like, mm-hmm. the old text. And, like, so uh, they summon him, and then they all start doing, like, mushrooms or whatever and dancing in their dead grand... And partying. And, yeah. Basically. They're partying in dead grandfather's house. And then Beelzebub, sure, <laughs> takes over Grace, who is the fucking, the ginger chick... The Wiccan. W- the Wiccan yeah. was 106 one that stands every 106. Oh, yeah. And then uh, she proceeds to start acting weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, she possesses people kind of in the same way as Angela from Night of the Demons. Yeah. The tongue in the mouth or whatever, except this time it's like a giant worm, a la Night of the Creeps style. Mm-hmm. Uh, then everyone starts, uh, 
Apparently, when you get possessed, you have this urge to put in white contacts. So yeah. every everyone gets these white <laughs> eyes, and they lock her in the basement. And apparently, demons aren't allowed to unlock doors because you gotta invite them in, as if the ritual wasn't enough. Right. Anyway, she's locked in the basement. She starts standing there, and like she's got this stupid like evil smile on her face with blood coming out of her mouth, mm-hmm. and she calls her boyfriend an inchworm and. I don't know what the fuck was going on in this movie. Oh, the cinematography was bad. Yeah. The acting was bad. And even at one point when chick says, we can't stop her. She's too powerful. Like, this is not an anime, motherfuckers. <laughs> all right? You don't fucking refer to anyone as powerful. Yeah. And, like, the the pacing was dreadful. The, a- the acting was bad. The only thing they really had down was the sign language. And, mm-hmm. like I said, why is there a deaf girl in this movie? You know? I, I mean, it's fine. I mean, there are the deaf people exist obviously but it just seemed like it well, was i know they exist but like <laughs> why do they just ha- so happen to exist in this movie like yeah. it, i don't like think hey let's make a movie hey you know paraplegics right yeah i know about paraplegics all right we're gonna put one in this movie mm-hmm. like what you know what i mean it, like it really only had like some relevance toward the end of the film but even then i don't know it just felt like such a cheap inclusion like i don't care that there's a deaf person in there and they're all, they're all signing to, to communicate with them like whatever that's fine but yeah it's just you know when you really kind of look at it it's like is it really that like important to do it apparently the actress is deaf in real life so i mean that's that oh. makes sense but you know but still it was i don't know it it just seemed like it was such a prominent feature of this movie and it really wasn't like that important you know what i mean it really wasn't not not from the aspect of like her inclusion but just I don't know. It's just, it wasn't as big of a deal as they were trying to make it seem that way. You know, I can't believe she signed a spell. Yeah. There, a, there are a lot of questionable oh, writing decisions in this movie, dude. I mean, overall just, ah, so, okay. I was like 40 minutes into this movie. <laughs> I didn't know how, how far into the movie I was. Right. And, and I like, I paused it to do something and I looked at it. I was like, why the fuck are there 50 minutes left in this movie? Yeah. Like what else is going to happen? It seemed like, nothing was happening and then a lot happened in like 10 minutes and then nothing was really happening again for like 35 minutes and then the end kind of happened and i was like okay and then the twist happened and i was like this is stupid and then it just kind of continued downhill from there (laughs) it just i don't know they hadn't like no substance or like thought behind it at all there was no point like it's like all right Cool, and then we find out one of them was like in cahoots from the beginning, yeah. And she killed her. Spoiler alert, pop pop. I'm really telling you this because I don't want you to watch this. Okay. Don't make the same mistake we did unless you want to talk shit about it. This is this is one of the only times we'll have like a spoiler for like the chopping block. Yeah. All right, but like, do not watch this movie. All right, seriously, don't. Yeah. It's not even fun. A little like. There's like schlock and trash. This mm-hmm. is fucking useless. This is a useless fucking movie yeah no it's it's really bad dude like i mean the whole teenagers partying thing i mean obviously it's been done to death but even in like 80s 90s movies there are redeemable qualities there are just no redeemable qualities in this movie none of the characters really have redeemable qualities at all i guess the main guy because he was like the most normal guy but i didn't give a shit about whether he was gonna live or die or anything you know see this movie could have worked if it didn't take itself like so seriously but like it was so fucking serious that you're just like, wow, at least learn to like act or like yeah. put together like a coherent story with like, 
some sort of substance, even a mm. little bit. Like, nope, Grandpa died because I stabbed him so I could summon Beelzebub so I can be with this chick who's mm. with a little dick jock and she's had 103 one night stands and she's a dark witch yeah and and you know like, like oh what like it was it was weird man like but also similar to night of the creeps this movie had a bunch of like references and homages but it it didn't feel like there was any point to them in this movie i guess it was because the plot was sort of derivative of the evil dead but even then it was just i don't know it was it was just poorly executed I really think it was. I don't think this movie should have been made. I don't know why it's on Netflix. It's like Netflix is like, yo, let's take off the Babadook. Mm -hmm. Let's take out the Conjuring. Right? And now let's just start putting trash movies. You know what? Hike up the price by $3. Like, yeah. why? Yeah. No, it just, I don't know. It wasn't good, man. I mean, it it took the, the haunted house kind of deal, or I don't know, demon house deal, and uh, really just put it in the toilet bowl and mixed it up and was like, all right, here's the same movie that you saw 200 times, but everybody in it sucks at acting. <laughs> and also here's a deaf girl for no reason. Yeah. Why do that? I don't know, man. It was just, there's a lot of questions that I have. And but one death. Yeah. And, and you know what too? Um, one thing that I was actually really thinking about, even right from the beginning, just I don't know, poorly edited. Like there was no color grading done at all. It's just like, if I'm looking right now at the wall, like that's how this movie looked like. There's only one part bad. that had like that yellow color palette. Mm -hmm. And that's when she was in the basement trying to like conjure the other dude. Yeah. And then they showed the outside and it had the same color grading as Jeepers Creepers 2. <laughs> that just yellow orange fucking, oh, yeah. like it's 400 degrees outside and we're in a hopeless countryside. It's like sepia or whatever. Yeah, have you ever watched The Revenge of Bloody Bill? No. Death Valley? Okay, yeah. The exact same color palette yeah. as that. And that was actually a good one, but they should have stuck with that throughout the whole movie. It would have made it like a hell of a lot mm. creepier. Yeah, I don't know. It just it, it didn't look like they did anything at all to it. It looks like what they did was they they got the files, they hooked it up, threw it into whatever idiotic program that they were using you know fucking sony vegas or some shit i don't know they took like the stock footage they cut it up and they released that as the movie that's what it looked like to me so there's just no like cinematic quality to this movie at all the actual cinematography like you mentioned was terrible it really was whoever was on the handheld for that needs to be fired permanently i think, I think everyone needs to be fired yes yeah, i think this group of people just needs to split <laughs> up they might have had a deaf person in the film but i guess they had a blind guy editing this <laughs> film <laughs> ouch yeah it's true though and i understand uh employing impaired people but mm. not for editing <laughs> come on why you got a blind guy on the editing ah, it really felt like that unfortunately so yeah really i i can't really say anything positive about this movie unfortunately it was just uh it was just trash i'm sorry so, um, obviously it's not chopped for you, right, Samuel? <laughs> obviously it's not chopped. <laughs> Chop it. Chop it into a million pieces, set it on fire, and piss out the fire before it completely turns to ash. Because then that ash is going to blow away into the wind, and I'm going to breathe it in. And I don't even want to look at this movie, let alone <laughs> breathe this piece of shit in. Just destroy every molecule. I can't believe you edited this movie, put it together, sat down and probably watched it and been like, yeah, that's good. Yeah you know what it is nowadays i think it's now because like you can't criticize anyone mm. for anything 
So no one can just sit these guys down and be like, guys, look, don't don't release this film. It's a piece of shit because you're going to hurt their feelings, right? Because like, yeah. you got to tell everyone that everything they put out is great and amazing or they'll have a meltdown and need a safe yeah. space. Like, it, it really is like that dude in the film industry, you know, just <laughs> straight up. So, yeah, ouch. I mean, I think that people just need to actually watch like good movies and, and learn and understand and like even if you're on a shoestring budget which it looks like these guys were like you know selling the lint out of their pockets Fuck for that look at equipment rentals yeah like you just have to have a decent understanding of framing lighting just general like shot composition and and how to edit like pretty effectively you honestly know? my biggest qualm was the Whoever wrote the script and and the cinematographer, yeah, those two people should be fired. You should get spinning hook kicked in the fucking oh, head. Uh, I so. can't believe David <laughs> Allensworth. You're the director, bro. You're supposed to like follow these motherfuckers around and be like, yeah, that's a good shot. Right. I can't believe someone like they had this one shot of like this chick was turning a corner mm. and the camera was at like the bottom of like that corner that she turned looking up and it was just the most disgusting shot of her running around the corner and it was yeah, like in the house about. and it was just so bad like holy fuck like it, it just i mean the shot itself was pretty bad but i think what made it worse was just that it fell out of place it really in, did in that whole sequence you know so i yeah, think these just people, whoever directed this, they just never been punched before <laughs> so they've never like faced any sort mm-hmm. of adversity so like okay. those are one of the, these are like the guys that need to be like you judge my movie why don't you make something better I did when I had a fucking handheld camcorder where you put the little VHS tapes inside the bigger VHS fucking <laughs> thing and then you pop it in the mm-hmm. VCR otherwise it can't fit like oh <laughs> uh, yeah guys so if, if you have watched it let us know what you think um, we do not recommend it uh, at all so that's gonna wrap it up here i think for the show um you can reach out to us on all our social media facebook instagram uh at grave discussions and twitter at grave disc srd this movie was recorded off a george foreman grill (laughs) you can check out our website as well gravediscussions.net so uh, get in touch with us let us know your thoughts and we'll be back next week for episode 69 Oh, yeah, 69 on Grave Discussions. This has been an SRD production.